0: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. BDW Void Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: lock Talk Radio.
2: Once there was this kid who
1: got into a I still love that song, by the way. This is Stephen Brandt yeah. back in the chair of Blog Talk, of Blog Talk Radio's Voodoo Zilla. Ah, I knew that was going to happen. I knew <laughs> that was going to happen. I've I, finally it more
3: than twice. Stephen, trust
1: me. <laughs> You're listening to the Yellow Card Podcast on Blog Talk Radio. We, we're doing something coming up in five minutes that I've wanted to do since I since I took over the show. Um, I know a lot of people that work in soccer media, and I've wanted to do kind of a simulcast with another show for a while. Now, I also don't make it a, I also don't make it a secret on here. And Keith has weathered it a lot. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and I stumbled on the Tailgate Show on Blog Talk. They, they go on on seven o'clock on Thursdays. And they're the Fort Lauderdale Strikers, one of the many um, supporters group down there. And they do their own show, and they're really interesting. I wanted to have them on for a couple reasons. One, quite selfishly. I, I've learned with the – I think I've known you about two years now, Keith. It's yeah. shameless self-promotion and bending other people's ears. <laughs> I, have not made it, I have not made it any secret, and I'm trying to write a book now. There, there's also a caveat on here is that the um opening page of it has Keith's name on it, so this damn thing better works. So that he so we could see his name in in uh, Barnes and Noble. So anyway, I also also having them on because they've been kind of behind the scenes needling me about, okay, how are you starting? What what what's this doing? Basically I'm writing a book on the nineteen eighty Fort Lauderdale striker, so I figured I'd I'd have them in to talk about Traffic sports with, with getting the Copa in here, and when I had, when I had seen that, I had heard I had seen the Fort Lauderdale Striker community just completely lose it, and I wanted to bring these guys on. There's a bunch, bunch of really fun guys that they they, they kind of do the show that I would like to do if I wasn't if I was down there in a studio. They do it through blog talk. They talk. They they have a lot of fun. And they they do kind of have their Keith on there, even though he's not named Keith. So anyway, um, also you know we're, we're, Keith does ninety nine point nine five eight or whatever percentage of my um, of my guests for the because he just has he has a better way of getting them than I do for some reason. So he approached me about what about a month ago about getting the guys from. Um, the the upward guys on, yes, yeah that and was finally, uh, yeah finally we yeah, got we, them on. good.
3: Yeah, we'll we'll have about seven forty five. Paul Fenton as the manager of Upward Stars in the MPSL, will be joining us. As I and I talked about this last week, to uh, Upward Sports is a uh, uh, the the nation America's largest uh, Christian youth sports organization, and, and they have programs in many different sports: uh, basketball, volleyball, flight, football, as well. They are uh, based in Spartanburg, South Carolina. They had a, they established in recent years, kind of an academy involving volleyball and basketball, something for uh, a little higher progression for older kids, uh, in those sports. But this year, uh, in fact, their season starts in a couple weeks. Uh, they will have be fielding a team in the MPSL, which, to the best of my knowledge, is the first time any national youth sports organization has started a professional club. There have been uh, I, two examples I know of, of youth clubs Youth clubs forming teams. Most notable one going right out to Troy Watson FC in the professional arena soccer. Chris? That was that yeah. came out of the Secluna uh, Brothers. I don't that, but, and then uh, also back in the mid-90s, uh, Mike Sweeney, the former Canadian Justin. international uh, Can ad- hear us? Whitecaps. white yeah, you them hear the yeah, I can hear you.
4: Oh, sorry. Oh, we didn't know we were I, on.
1: Yeah, I cross over time, boys. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah boys. I, I, when the board comes up, I automatically put them on because I, in our previous incarnation, I forgot to throw Keith on. I'm going on talking, doing the, the pre-game, the pre part of the show, and, and I'm usually used to Keith butting in. I'm like, where is Keith on here? I see his number on the board. <laughs> I can't <laughs> hear him, and I know, knowing him, he's probably talking, too.
2: So, I usually, <laughs> when
1: I see, see, I, I see the number pop up, I just throw them on, because usually you can find something fun, because you guys know, doing your show, that there's always something like a dog running through.
4: There's, oh, sure.
1: I mean, I, I don't know how many other ones you guys listen to, but uh, I listen to, listen to Michael Orr's show a lot. And inevitably, his kids will just, like, start screaming in the background. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's when, always, when, that's when any when any
4: idiot like us can have a radio show, that's gonna happen. You know, you're gonna have weird <laughs> shit like that happen. I mean, you know, we threw we throw our radio show in my kitchen. So I mean, it's you know, there's pots, pans, people going to get beers. I mean, there's, Kenny smashing just, ice. Yeah, there's you know, it's, yeah, Kenny smashing ice, right? It, you know, it's just stuff that's gonna happen. But you know, listen, hey, we're all rookies and we're doing it for you know to have a good time. So that's all that matters. <laughs> As long as, as long as you don't fall in the pool like
1: I did last year, or get a former co-host lost in Compton like we did last year, <laughs> oh, oh,
3: oh, 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 that was fun.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Not if you're white or a female, or, or a female, um, our, one of our one of our previous co-hosts um, is a, a former soccer player out on the West Coast, and we're doing our wrap-up show here. I like to do a wrap-up. I like. What are you going to do? What, what type of gifts would you give to the teams and all type of stuff? And she's driving from one practice to another and openly goes on air, oh, crap, I just turned off at Compton. And oh, kept, boy. Kept lo- losing the sight of the um, throughway as she's driving farther, farther in. Now, having been out, having been out there now, I'm doing this from really – The comfy confines of Buffalo, New York, which every (laughs) once in a while, I'll hear a gunshot or something. And I I don't live in a bad part of town, but
4: there's... Yeah, you do. If you have any gunshot in your neighborhood, you live in a bad part of town. I don't have any gunshots going off in my neighborhood. Well, I I have a
3: few occasionally, but it's people hunting animals. Oh, okay. Well,
4: listen, there's some.
3: I'm 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 out a little ways from the city.
4: Right, I hear you. Well, it
0: also helps, Chris, if you have a cop car, cop living right next door to you. Yeah, though. that's that true, might, too. That might
4: help out. Yes. <laughs> that's <laughs> never good. Yeah, well, I guess for some reason, right?
1: Well, I want, wanted to have, you guys, I want to have you guys on, other than I love your show, but I wanted you guys all to introduce yourselves. and t- give, give us a
4: little bit of a, a promo for you guys. Well, I'm Chris. Chris I'm, uh, I'm the bald guy with the goatee. Uh, it's my house where the Kudio's at We uh, basically put holes in my aunt's kitchen table That she left me when I bought the house And we put all the wires in To make it look somewhat professional uh, We have a great time doing it uh, Huge striker fan I'm an EPL Manchester United Oh, god. Well, he's
3: worked with me already <laughs> How do I keep that uh, I mean, uh, What's up getting a man Manchester Chris you, Chris, you wouldn't believe the abuse I have to take, because I'm pretty much the only Man U supporter who's a regular on this show, so I, I hear about it a lot,
4: especially this season. Yeah, I, listen, I, I picked the team, and, I, and I, when I picked the EPL team, I, I didn't know what I was doing. You know, somebody guided me there, and that's who I went with, and I found out I'm, the, you know, I'm a fan of the New England Patriots, and everybody hates me. I'm like, you know, I'm already a Jet fan living in South Florida. I don't need more goddamn people hating me. <laughs> well,
1: at least you didn't pick, like, Everton or Spurs or anything like that.
4: Yeah. yeah. No, I didn't North-
1: even know. How about Norwich? Norwich. No-
4: Norwich. <laughs> Norwich, You don't know yeah. you know you know <laughs> I say, <Bye-bye>.
3: which? <laughs> Nor- Norwich. If I may paraphrase a old musical, bye-bye birdies.
4: Oh, uh, Yeah.
3: Boy, I have, boy, my predictions from a couple of weeks ago were really, really wrong, weren't they, Steven? I said, Liverpool, were going to win the title. I said, Fulham would stay up. Boy, I took an un of hope of those this night. Oh, well. Sometimes wrong, rarely in doubt, if I like to say.
4: So, tell us a little something about you, Paulie. Oh, well, listen.
3: I'm a Liverpool
0: fan to start off with, and this weekend is almost a Cleveland, a Cleveland Brown-esque weekend, losing the... You know, a slip here. You know, it's all very Bernie Kozarish, you know, this week, losing it. But, uh, you know, we'll see what Man City does next week. We, you know, we'll see what happens. There's still a shot. This is yeah. a crazy year, being so. A,
3: being, a native, being a native Clevelander, I could definitely relate to that one. It doesn't matter. It's not going to matter who they pick. I mean, I, was, I haven't seen draft day yet. But I'm still. when I do see it, I'm still half expecting them to screw it up in the movie, too. You know? <laughs> I, told you, I told you what my mindset is regarding the Browns these days. Well, hey, draft's coming up this Thursday. I'm
2: getting they fired up for it.
5: But, um...
0: oh. And uh, Justin, I don't think he's on yet. Justin, I think uh, he's still yep. getting ready, so he's going to call in. But uh...
5: Yeah, I'm right here.
0: Oh, there oh, he is. God, oh, there he
5: is. <laughs> you didn't hear me doing the uh-huh. I got three uh-huh. of <laughs> Yeah, all right. So, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm Justin Yarbrough, J.Y. Jellyfish 77. Uh, I'm also a Man Youth supporter. Uh, very touching watching gigs get to uh, talk after the match today. And, um, yeah, big Strikers fan and the resident legal advisor of the, or the, the tailgate show. <laughs> Trying try to keep everybody Legal in line.
3: Just, just that I may need your service is one of these things when my broadcasting career finally gets going in the direction it should. So I'll keep that in mind. Well, I'm a lawyer. I just, I just keep people out of jail. <laughs> well, I can do that myself. I'm just talking in <laughs> yeah. terms
1: of making sure I don't get ripped off by somebody. <laughs>
5: sure. yeah.
1: That's what that's all what this sport is. Uh, the, the, one of the reasons why I want to have you guys on here is that the, the whole hubbub that the soccer media made about the Copa coming up with traffic, and I, I saw the Fort Lauderdale people kind of have a normal so, Soccer meltdown on Twitter, what should you guys go buy well, what does traffic even mean? What does it even mean
4: for <laughs> the it's,
5: a big, it's I mean, a big
4: traffic gym that makes you punch your steering wheel <laughs>
5: so Chris has got road rage.
4: Exactly. Um, well, listen. We, the first thing I don't know much about it. Paulie knows a lot more than I do, but I think the one thing that I heard a lot about was the fact that you know, traffic spending all this money to to do that, and they obviously spend shit on our team.
1: Yeah, exactly. Especially with like the uniforms this year, and they don't put anything up online. I mean, they're they're almost, they're almost as I as I've said as I've said through. Online, I've been I've been trying to deal with them online, and it's like, you know what? But there's there's some good people up there, but if, if you're if you're in shell out money like that, then why aren't you doing it for your own team? And they they have other teams, but if you're in this area, what why why aren't you putting money into a iconic ish franchise? If you think about it that way, I mean, I do. Strike- the strikers are a name it's not like you're it's not like you're the Atlanta Silverbacks i mean you actually have a name in the sport and and a and a good very good support culture i mean that's one of the reasons why i'm listening to you guys is that it, to to have a lower division team like you guys and have have radio shows have cardic have all this stuff it's not like you it's not like you guys are backwater and they're not trying and it, it
2: yeah, they're not well
0: the greatest thing the greatest thing they ever did was switch to traffic. You know, there used to be Miami F C and they made this kind of brilliant move to go to the strikers and that was kind of really a good thing. So we kinda kinda of thank traffic for that, but at the same time they really don't do any advertising. there hasn't been one really advertisement all year for the strikers on local or T V radio, the whole year. So you you don't... It's a head-scratcher, really. You don't understand. I think they just don't know how to run a local-level organization kind of thing. They're kind of... You know, they're a Brazilian company. It's kind of... They're being run from afar. And this is kind of like a outpost kind of of... Who knows
4: of where they're going with it. We don't know yet, either. I think they didn't make... They don't make shit off them, so they're not going to spend shit on them. Yeah, that, that, that makes sense, because, I mean...
1: Talking about, I mean, you, you don't make a lot in this sport anyway. I mean, th- there's teams out there that are losing money. But what, shouldn't you exactly. actually... soccer, Stephen, believe me. <laughs> I know, I know that. I, I live down, a, buy, I lived buy, down buy, the street from, from Ralph Wilson Stadium. It's not, yeah, not too I, much of a stadium.
3: For the guys from Fort Lauderdale, that's a quote I've often referred to on the show. Uh, the late Edward Bennett Williams, the lawyer from the Gosh. Washington Post, among others back in the 70s, he owed them both... you But but it's really, you can eat it now. And he said, at one point during an NFL meeting, he said, how do you make a small fortune in sports? And the answer is, you start with a large fortune. (laughs) That's that's pretty much, NFL accepted, of course, that's pretty much how it works in sports for the most part.
0: Yeah, I mean we get we get like three thousand and three, you know thirty five hundred, whatever you want to say, and they don't even advertise. So imagine if they actually put some muscle in there, and actually, you know, put some boots on the ground and actually, actually did something. We'd probably be, you know, maybe six six seven thousand,
5: you know, but
0: it, they just don't want to do it.
5: Yeah, they could yeah. easily change it up with some um, refurbishments to the stadium. Uh, you know, uh, a little bit of nicer environment. I mean, it's still a great environment, but just some of those creature comforts, and then and then a bit of advertising and, and marketing to um, some of those fans that actually have staying power. Um, because a lot of us will argue that like soccer moms and the and the youth soccer teams, although they have their purpose, um, aren't don't have the staying power or the or the season ticket dollars that are going to keep them coming back to the stadium week in and week out.
1: It is part of the reason people come to the stadium is that, it, that despite what national media says, you guys, are at, you guys in Florida actually do support your teams. I mean, it's not, it, it's, a, it's a bad, it's a bad. Nah, bad.
4: that's not really true, bro. Uh, they support winners. If they're yeah. not winning, they're not going. No matter what sport it is. And that's all of them across the
5: board. South Florida enjoys, um, enjoys an excellent scene, and I think almost with, it, I want to say almost with social media now, it's become fun to go to some of these games for some people in South Florida because they can post on Instagram, a post on Twitter, look where I am, look where I am, because it's almost just a way to show off that you're at certain games and stuff like that uh, for, for some of the fans. You know, I mean, fans like us, obviously, you guys know we're in there every game, and, and we're there for a reason. Uh, not just so that we can post online that we're there, but South Florida uh, really has some of that going on. That's kind of an infectious disease. Right.
0: If, if you look at the soccer numbers, I mean, Orlando is doing good. Um, Fort Lauderdale for Division Two, probably, you know, 3,500. That's probably somewhat pretty good, you know. So, that's very
4: good if for a league um, below
0: us. So we are doing pretty good soccer-wise. You know, we'll see what Jacksonville does. We'll see, uh, you know when Beckham comes in and what happens with their numbers. But, um, you know, soccer is,
1: I guess, doing pretty all right. I mean, is that, I mean if, you were given, if, if they came to you guys and said, we want you to take over the team, you have our money, what would you change, like, right now?
4: I would take the first $6 and probably <laughs> get, like, a large beer. Yeah, And then that would, that would probably leave me $4 for either nachos or a pretzel. So I'm not yeah. sure how I would spend my last 4 bucks. Man with his priorities in order. <laughs> yeah, you're only getting 10 bucks. I mean, I, 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 listen, I, I love my team, all right? But it, it's just so obvious to me. I mean, we're, you see, we're not just the people that go there during the week. I mean, on the weekend, I go during the week. We've been all been there, gone to a practice. We've been inside, you know. We've been inside the front office. It's, you know, we know. It's obvious there's not a lot of money there. You know what I mean? I think. Listen if if traffic was so interested in making the striker brand this huge thing they would dump some money in there their spend is so limited we painted last year we painted the stadium last year with rollers Yeah I saw that online I'm like
1: you got to be kidding me you don't even you can't even get all you can't even get br- machines to do that stuff
4: or listen I, I just company. don't think they have any money bro I really don't I, I just don't think that, that they're you know cu- you know cutting coupons somewhere or something you know I just they don't have any money in there and uh, the, you know whatever little they do make or where if you guys you know or they always say that they're always trying to lose less money all right so if they're just losing money I don't know, man. Dude, I'm not a real businessman, but I'm not going to keep dumping money into something that's constantly losing. I don't care if I'm a billionaire. Just out of, you know,
5: pride, I'm well, to, not going to
4: keep dumping money in there.
5: Just to add to what Chris is saying, uh, with, and, to, and to kind of answer your question, with, if, if you gave us and handed over to us the, the budget that they currently have, we probably couldn't do a whole lot better than what they're doing right now. We're not right. really knocked front office we're more knocking the ownership of the team for not investing more. And that's what, I mean, Chris has been saying and Paul has been saying since we got on. It's more the ownership, traffic is yeah. kind of you have us on. Uh, that definitely, if, if traffic were to give us a better budget, uh, just like they'd give the front office a better budget, then I, I'm sure either one of us in that scenario could succeed or could do better in South Florida. But right now with what they're working with, it's going to have a tough time. If, you know they're trying to make do with what they have. They work out of like a trailer, right? So that's kind of what we're saying. Yeah, yeah and you
0: feel sorry for the front office guys. I mean, they're trying to you know make do with what people give them. I think traffic does have money. They just don't choose to spend it on the strikers.
4: Well, I mean, no, they just that, signed that totally deal. True. I mean, yeah. they just they just went and bought that Copa thing, right? So yeah. they obviously got dough. And who they well, bet? Fox, it. right?
3: Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you guys about uh, for a couple different levels. So, uh, I haven't found. I'm trying to find the story it hasn't come up yet on, on my computer. But did, uh, did, when it's talk about the, the Copa America in 2016, the Centennial Edition, which is going to be played here in the United States, did they buy did, like the, the TV rights? Is that what they bought?
0: Yeah, they bought like advertising rights, marketing rights, the whole signage rights. You know, like all that sort of.
3: You know, so marketing are they, are, stuff. Are, are, are they in tr- So are they going to be televising these games themselves? Or are they? Are somebody else doing that for them? How do you know how that works? Um, I think they have rights to sell it to people and okay.
0: market it and like you know signage and all that sort of thing. Yeah. So I'm not sure if they can sell the package via ESPN or all that sort of stuff.
3: Yeah. Well, I I, I was curious when I saw it because I thought, wait, these guys own a club. What are they doing buying TV rights? I was a little mystified by that, but the other, the, the pr- more personal, selfish reason, is if, if these guys have TV rights, I need to talk to them about a lot of You know, that's...
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I, so, so I, listen, life, I, I think I, they they spend their money in a lot better places than the strikers, though. It's only because we know about them. They They have a, a lot much, you know, a lot more going on in Brazil and all that other stuff, yeah, the, you know, and I, TV I and all that up, other stuff
2: because yeah, 'cause I'm
3: trying to pull up their website and it's not coming in very fast for some reason. As I wanted to try to get a little more insight as to what exactly they're doing. I know the fact that the site is dot com dot br which is for the uh for the uh for Brazil obviously. Um, yeah, Aaron, but yeah, Aaron I,
0: David set it to that to confuse you. He has that set to confuse <laughs> mode.
4: So you can't just okay. read yeah, on it. It's scrambled.
2: Yeah. .com. Aaron David scrambled that whole thing. Okay. Yeah,
4: yeah that is <laughs> You got to sit there and watch it like on TV to try and get a glimpse of a boob. <laughs> <laughs>
2: All
4: right, so what else <laughs> you guys <laughs> got?
1: <laughs> this is a, the whole before I hijack this complete
4: TV. show in a minute. Yeah.
1: <laughs> what, 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 <laughs> I, I, pulled up, I
3: pulled up the I pulled up the roster from the 1980s. if Steve mentioned that right before you guys came on about the 1984 Loyalist strikers <laughs> <laughs> and boy. Some of the names, of it, I mean, I saw, I saw some of these guys play, although admittedly the team had been moved to Minnesota by that point. Uh, but some of these guys I saw play, people like, uh, uh, like uh, Ken Fogarty and Jan Ben Beffer and the goalkeeper, uh, I, you know, there were a few guys. Uh, Gert, well, Gerd Moore I saw on TV, of course. But uh, and, Ray, and, of course, I have, have to mention Ray Hudson. The, the, the inimitable Ray Hudson, of course, best known for his work on being sports uh, these days. But yeah, I, I do remember some of these guys back in the uh, mid-80s to give away my age a little bit. And it, it's, uh, uh, you know, looking what? at the team picture, it's, it's such a contrast. But look, the, you know, the uniforms, of course, back then, you know, nobody
2: dreamed oh, of last.
3: advertising on uniforms, obviously. And uh, how we played in those ridiculously short shorts, me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, you look at some of the days Arnie Mauser, who played a few games for
1: the national team.
6: Yeah.
1: There's. Okay. What can you guys say about the the Strikers year so far? I wanted to get that before we. What can you What can you give us like for the year? What have you guys been like this year? Um, I think this is probably one of my favorite teams we've had since
0: they've come into you know become the Strikers. I think I think this is like a good their first time they've been a team. I mean I think they really work together. I think they all like each other. And uh, we're scoring goals. I mean, it's, it's been a great year so far.
4: Yeah, I, I agree with Paul. I think, uh, you know, they are very close. You know, one thing that the social, social media does is, you know, when these guys are posting pictures of them out doing stuff around town, there, there's a big group of them all the time. Uh, the other day they went down to Miami and they played uh, football golf. That looked, man. That looked really awesome, man. I, I want to. I definitely want to go do that. It's it's kind of like a, a golf course. Well, it is a golf course, but you, you know, it's all with a soccer ball.
6: Well, that would oh, be slice
3: with my driver. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs>
3: Let me tell you. Every time so it comes to bending a ball, Beckham's got nothing on me with the driver in my hand. I'm telling you right now. I just go the opposite direction for what Beckham does.
4: Oh no! Yeah, you can hook it or slice it. Just leave your wrist out.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so it's work. definitely going great and it's great to see them uh you know, leading the league in goals and stuff. I mean this is some exciting stuff that now that coach has had a full off season to work with the team and, and, and get stuff going the way he's wanted to, you know, taking over halfway through last year. I I mean I think it's I think it's great 'cause that's what he's wanted us to, to see is a goal scoring team you know, but still with with good defense and stuff and good fundamentals, so coaches, I mean, coaches have been great, Chris calls him God, and um, (laughs) you know, it's 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 been an exciting season, and it's nice to be a striker fan, and uh, leave games not disappointed every time. And the locker
4: Leap is living strong. Paulie got a nice dose of that uh, last last time, or two home games ago. Yeah. It is, it's been awesome, dude. The guys have really responded, you know, we've We've come out pretty loud that, look, we want you coming over, and these guys, you know, they're responding, and we're doing the whole, we got this whole lock hard, leap thing going. It's, it's cool, man. We got a cool thing going. And, you know, what Justin was saying with Gunter, I think he changed the whole mentality with the
0: team, and he's probably the best thing that's happened to us in a long time, having Gunter as our coach. We absolutely love him. I think, uh, I think we step in front of a car for him if he asked us
4: to. Yeah, so. <laughs> he we we are way outclassed by him being here. He is far bigger of a star. You know what I'm saying on our team. You know what I mean, right? Am I, am I yeah, saying that right, Paul? Right. Yeah,
0: we don't deserve him. Like he's that good of a guy. Yes. Know, that great
4: of a co- like. That's what I meant. I got you. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, yeah. And he, he, he seems right. He seems really worth it. He doesn't seem like he's mailing in, because there's coaches that come over here that just mail it in and wait until the next next club comes in for him. He, he actually seems like he's worth it down there. So.
4: I really believe if this dude had the money himself, I think he would have bought the team, put himself in full charge, and probably went and scratched a few backs that he could, and he would get a stadium. I really believe that. I think if the dude had the money, he would do it. He, this guy loves this team and sticks up for his guys like nothing else. He always, always about the guys. Always about the guys. He's, he's conscious of them. Yeah.
1: it makes it worth it. So, um, where can we find you? So, where can we find you guys if our our listeners want to listen to more of your well awesomeness?
5: Go, Joe. Uh, the, <laughs> the Tailgate Show dot... <laughs> all right. The Tailgate Show dot U.S. is the uh, is a link website. It's not an actual website, but it'll take you straight. So it's a URL. It'll take you straight to our Blog Talk site. That way we don't have to give you all the little numbers and digits of Blog Talk. So the Tailgate Show dot U.S. Plus we're on Twitter under The Tailgate Show. Same handle on Facebook. Uh, active on all of them. Even on Instagram, uh, posting up pictures and stuff. Shows every Thursday night at 7 o'clock Eastern. And, um, and then podcast on Stitcher Radio and on uh, iTunes also, besides besides, There's there. no way I could have done
4: anywhere near that list. That is a, yeah, l- no that's a goddamn grocery list. Listen, don't be a cheapskate. If you really like us, go on, our, on the Facebook and hit the like button. Nothing else really matters in life. Cheapskate? <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, it makes make me feel, feel better them. about myself. When are you guys
0: coming down and hanging out with us? When are you guys going to come down from Buffalo getting some... You, getting some yeah, de- you got to defrost.
1: But yeah, well, we still haven't defrost yet. I still, have, I still have at least one one snowbank in my backyard, which is kind of alarming. That's, oh, <laughs> hey, it topped out at the hottest it's been since last July. It's 56 today.
4: Oh. <laughs> oh. Who the hell lives in Buffalo? What the hell are you doing there? <laughs>
1: Cost of, living, cost of living is cheap here, and especially when you don't have a job, it's, easy, it's a hell of a lot easier than living in South <laughs> Florida. I'd
2: still
4: life. rather be homeless in South Florida, bro.
1: What?
4: I'd still rather be homeless in South Florida. <laughs> there there's some days
1: I wouldn't disagree with you on that. I, I, I'm getting to the point. I've, been, I've been, bet, been back in New York for 10 years, and I'm, I'm looking for the reason to get out.
4: Yeah, yeah, it's 56 in June. Or it's May now? Yeah, May. Whatever. Okay, right. well, I what, is, to. what are you guys
3: uh, on Facebook again? I'm trying to find it, and it's not coming up for some reason. Oh, yeah,
5: that's great. The
3: Tailgate
0: yeah. Show.
5: Yeah, the Tailgate Show, one word. It's Yeah, uh, the Tailgate Show well.
0: uh, FTL Strikers. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> Might have to work on that one, huh? Nah, <laughs> my
0: thermometer's reading eighty outside of my patio it right says now. Eighty. Is not
3: available. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: The well, anyway, the I want tail- to, thank you guys. I'm to I'm going to try to get down there this year, this this August. August, if I if I'm oh, still. I
3: finally, found it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I will curl. Okay. I will come down. I will come down to the of show, and you know I'm listening anyway because I, I tweet you guys incessantly. So. Right, uh, so and you got
0: to... And you've got to keep us like you know what's happening with your book you're writing and stuff like that about the strikers and all that. I find that it's, fascinating you're buying stuff on eBay and you're writing a book about the strikers and it's,
1: it's, well, it''s I'll give you guys the 10, ten second on this I, I got aggravated a while ago that when I was looking online how little there is about the strikers. It kind of pissed me off because in the old league, it's not like you guys were the also rough next. You guys actually matter. And that I looked at that and said, because we, the old league is so centered around the fact that we're the Tampa Bay Rowdies and the Cosmos. I'm like, what the hell is the problem with this? You need to have something. Even if it just becomes a Kindle single, there needs to be more than just random notes in other books. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot of great books about the country out, but there isn't Whoa. one to the team. Out. and I'm just like you know someone's got to do it and it's it's gonna suck because there's like nothing out on 1988 out there really there's really nothing outside of if you want if you want to pull up a quote from um, Ray Hudson and that's about it I, mean, I, I, I found stuff about the answer at the time that's a, literally about it yeah I mean I'm gonna get you guys involved because I, I, I might I might have to I might have to stay. The tailgate show in the, in the notes eventually. Yeah.
4: Hey, listen. If you if by chance well, you do come down early, if if you come on Thursday, you know you're more than welcome to the Kudio, too. Oh. oh,
1: will do. Yeah, will do, man. I'll I'll listen to you guys this week. All right. Thanks for
2: absolutely.
1: Well, thanks for having us on. Hit the right, like button, you cheapskates. <laughs> Okay, good. Keith's still on. I'm not, I'm not used to having. I'm, to well, I'm still here. Yeah. Okay, so another
3: thing I want. Um, I had the darn time trying
1: to find them on uh, Facebook, but I finally did. They're an interesting show. I I, lo- I loved having them on. I figured we needed to have a little bit of spice on the show, for it. Oh,
3: that, that, that spice definitely qualified there.
1: Uh, yeah, spice. If
3: I'm follow, I was. I just got. Uh, Connect on Twitter with Tommy Mulroy. Uh, followed him on Twitter. He followed me back. I remember him his playing days as well. But but yeah, the the, the history is really good point there about the history of the NASL. And a lot of it is wrapped up in the Cosmos and Tampa. They had the big rivalry, and of course. That Fermani ended up going from Tampa to the Cosmos uh, by way of George, the late Georgia uh as a coach. So there was all, and there was. The intrigue, Rodney Marsh. He had the great line when he was asked about being uh, uh, about being the, the white Pele, and he his response is no Pele is the black Rodney Marsh, and that didn't go over uh, too well with uh, with, with Pele at all. Um, and of course, we know a little bit about from the West Coast because you have now we you have Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver, and those teams started in the NASL now playing in MLS. But there's a lot out there that. That you know, as, far as some of the teams, you know, of the teams came and went, especially in the 70s and 80s when they were they boomed and, and, and crashed out. Uh, and, you know, you were you're actually a Lauderdale was an important franchise. Like, like I said, I read some of the names and some of the players who played there. You know, they had some bigger names. You know, Gordon Banks uh, after his tragic car accident, we lost sight of this I played there. And I mentioned Gordon Muller and some prominent players here in America like Artie Mauser, or Ken Fogarty. Uh, as well, uh, it is a, a franchise that's been a bit overlooked in terms of the, the history of the NAFL, So it's uh, it's good to see uh, that you're writing that uh, book about it. I'm, I'm very very grateful that
1: I'm getting a mention in it. Yeah, depending, depending on what, it, depending on how much it goes. I originally when I when I thought about it, the the joke with this is I started writing it during one of our email exchanges, and we, I, I literally. And this is another question I've had for you for a while. Do you ever sleep? Cause, oh, yeah. Hey, hey. oh, yeah. I get a message from you at 6 and I get I get a text from you at 10 o'clock at night. I'm like, how the hell is he doing this? And I am the one that's unemployed right now. Yeah.
6: Well, it, it, it worth and i running around here
3: at home with the family playing soccer once a week, which I'm still recovering from from last night. So I was I was brutal <laughs> too much I got too much rust i'm trying to get rid of right now going to take a couple more matches
1: exactly and the, the joke with this is when I was originally starting out now i 've lost the original um, the original part of this that there this was originally a forty page outline, and then my laptop died with it not even being saved, so I had to go back and restart up. <coughs> to go back and restart it. So uh, you and I are talking about Watergate again, which is, guys, Keith and I dropped Watergate in a lot, and I think you're just old enough for it, or are you? I was in grade school when it
3: happened. We When, oh. when I was in my middle school, um, we you know, we talked back and it's funny, it was when I was uh, like in my mid-30s, somebody had a line, I were first sharing the line about how uh, you know, kids now are studying history, at least in current events. I remember we would do, uh, we it was in middle school, we would do, you know, mock newscasts, which of course I always got on because even then people knew I could do this. And, uh, you know, Watergate was always a big topic in those days. I've read the book, All the President's Men, uh, a, num- a number of times over. And while it's, you know, some, some of the it, it, it but it but uh, it, it's a it's a turning point and I've said this before, it, it was a turning point not just for journalism in this country, but it was a turning point for sports journalism. And Ron Lundquist said the same thing. If you've seen the thirty for thirty movie Pony Excess about the SMU football yeah. program, he made the exact same point because he was working in radio at that time. Uh in addition to doing Dallas Cowboys games, uh you know, he was also uh, working was, I, I want to say a sports director at WFAA, but I'm not 100% positive, but, but he made the same point. It, it all changed at that point uh, for sports journalism as well because it used to be they didn't write about these things. You know, If something happened you know, at a university with a star athlete, the university would be going to and saying, look, we need to keep this quiet, that kind of stuff. The reporter, especially as one like baseball, with all the traveling they do and it's got time, all the time they spend on a row, the players you know, when they if they like the writer, they become chubby them. they become friendly to a point where it was it it was more of a a personal relationship than it was reporter and player and uh and, you know the late Shirley Paulish, the great washington post baseball writer uh Maury's dad, by the way, which I didn't know until about five years ago yeah he Jesus, talks about how, you, yeah i i was i was watching a um it was the 50th anniversary of the 1958 NFL championship game, and uh, Bob Wolf, who did the radio play-by-play, that day was looking for somebody to spotter for him, and he had no clue who get. and he happened across half with Shirley Povich. and says, yeah, my 14-year-old kid can do this for you, and it's Maury. I'm like, oh, okay. I, I mean, the same name. I just never made the connection. But for Shirley Povich you, made you know, a play. There were a lot of ballplayers that did not like writers, uh, a lot of them did become friendly with them. And, and, and he said writers would be friendly with the players they choose to be friendly about. And I've mentioned before the old story, probably an apocryphal one because it wasn't written about back then. But there was a story about Babe Ruth running and being chased by a woman with a knife, both of them without a stitch of clothing on it, running through a railroad car. And one of the writers said, gee, it's a good thing we didn't see that or we'd have to write about it it' yeah. until the early seventies this was the relationship it was more it, it was it was kind of like what it is with t v and sports today i've heard I've heard it said that people are, you know t v broadcasts are as much infomercials for that league or that organization in the case of the n c a a than it is and i and i'll i be the first to be you know, a play by play announcer is not a reporter in the traditional sense of the word. They're, they're, as I, as I said was before, if you, go, if you watch a game on Univision, when they put Pablo Ramirez's name up there, the title, they put him as, as narracion, narration. He's narrating a story. It's not the same as being a reporter. And I know Howard Cossel was famous for criticizing sports TV for not being journalistic enough, for bringing on the ex-players to write commentary on the game. And to an extent, he had a point, but at the same time, you know, the, the broadcasting the game is not is not uh, if you tell game not the same as reporting on. That's because you buy where well, you buy the rights to it. It's not the same thing as a news story. It's when things happen off the field in the locker room, the business side of things. That's where you need the journalism. The game itself, unless some, unless some kind of crazy newsworthy event happens, it, it's not it's it's not a, a, a news story. In the traditional sense, of order. Now, of course, these days with social media and everything else, the line the lines are blurred and distorted, and nobody knows what uh, the definitions that he, as much as they used to say thirty years ago. I, I remember reading a line about somebody uh, saying in Argentina, the saying in Argentina is anybody with a cell phone uh, is a, can be a reporter, and you could say that here in America too. Uh, certainly, you look at a site like a TMZ or others. With regards to people, and even just you know things like Instagram, Facebook, whatever, people you know, post pictures and video of things they see in public that could turn out to be news stories. It, you know, it's a completely different culture, but, but you know in sports, you know, we've we've help create this, this adversarial relationship with with the media as far as your know, newspapers and, and television, and radio reporting. Not so much the broadcast, the, the actual game broadcast. So,
6: and, and of course, we, and of course,
3: we've seen over the last. Well, it probably goes back to the '60s. Uh, certainly, Joe Namath talks about it. If you ever get a chance to yeah. see the full color football, the history of the AFL, he talks about an argument he got into. Uh, well, I shouldn't say argument, but discussion he got into with uh, the wife of the late Sonny Werblin, who bought the New York Jets in the early '60s and signed David. And he was upset about something that was written about in the paper. And Mrs. Wormwood said to Joseph, this is show business now. And that's where Sonny Wormwood came from. He was a talent agent for the entertainment business. That was the world he came out of. And certainly his influence in that with regard to Joe Namath was huge in transforming sports and sports stars into entertainment and entertainers. And while I decry that a lot, it is reality. I'm not going to deny that for a second. i I'm not just. I don't like the idea. That sports stars are considered entertainers, but that is the reality of it here in 21st century America. And um, you know, again, it makes it, it it makes for such a different relationship in terms of you know, the four major sports. I was reading something today about, about this matter. You have it's something that soccer, for the most part, doesn't have here in America. You know, Europe it's a different story, of course, but here in America, guy, you know, the players. If you see them in public, number one, you could, you could see them in public, but they're not going to be surrounded by a, a group of you know agents, handlers, security, whatever the case may be. If you see Chris Dempsey, you know, out in Seattle someplace, he's probably not going to be with anybody other than your know, family, people, or something like that. If you could walk up to him, you could talk to him and things like that. You, this is not something to do with say, you know a Mike Trout or a Phil Kessel or somebody of that of that nature these days and And the media is part of it because again the the big name sports stars have been made into entertainment type figures, and, and the, the world's cross over a lot, and, some, and you see and you even see instances of guys trying you' know, trying something in entertainment, whether it be uh movies. Whether it be uh, the, the recording industry, uh, you'll see Shaquille O'Neal with his rap stuff among among others, and this wasn't. Well, it happened in the '60s and '70s, but usually it was in a case where the the athlete just just was himself. He wasn't. It wasn't that he was trying getting an acting role. Uh, certainly, very few of them tried to make records or anything like that. It, it wasn't. It, it was very, what they did was just, it was a cameo thing. They did it, and, and that was, you know, today's Willie Mae's birthday, as a matter of fact, he's 83. He did occasional cameos on the Doors Day show, uh, partially to get himself some new furniture in, in one particular room But he was just on there as himself, as Willie May. He wasn't trying to act or anything like that at all. It wasn't, it was just a, you know, a, 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 a couple of times, and that, and that was it. It's not like today, where you see, you see these guys trying to make something of a career out of a, another business, and it's going the other way. Other way too. you, you got your know, Jay Z is a part of the Brooklyn Nets. Usher's a minority shareholder in the Cleveland Cavaliers, and uh, and even athletes from other sports are doing that way. You, you uh, Oscar De La Hoya has a minority interest in Houston Dynamo. Oh, but you're, you're, also is,
1: see it, you're also seeing it in soccer too. I mean, LeBron has yeah. a LeBron has a um part in, in Liverpool. In Liverpool, yes. I, yes, he does. part of Liverpool, and I wouldn't be I wouldn't be surprised if he has something in it. And here's another person I see probably pretty soon getting into owning part of a soccer team: Kobe, Kobe um, Bryant. He is yeah, when a huge. Shot, yeah, well, he's, he's a, a
2: soccer,
3: soccer backer. Yeah, he spent a lot of his childhood before high school in Italy, where his dad was playing back in the, back in the nineteen seventies. And uh, he's a Barcelona, no Barcelona supporter. I've seen him on a pitch. He he's got some he's got some skills. I mean, if he did, if he had decided to go with soccer when he was a basketball, I'm sure he'd have been a terrific player. There's no question. He oh, the too deep. So there's, oh, That's there's, no problem. There's a problem. Yeah, there's an interest there for him. It's a little more deep-rooted, though. You know, again, he, grew, he spent a lot of growing up time in that culture in Italy. Now, how he you a Barcelona supporter? I don't know. I believe his dad played in Milan. I'd have to look that up. Well, uh, but you've
1: got to think of it over here. you got to think of it a little bit differently. And I, don't know how, I don't know if you've been overseas much, but it's different not at all. TV-wise yeah. over there. Yeah. Is yeah. Much, yeah, you know, yeah. a
3: lot, because just about every country has a government-operated channel of some kind, whether it be the BBC in the U.K., uh, RAI in Italy. Uh, you, know, plus, and you have Eurovision, which is privately run as well. Um, yeah. But, yes, yeah, you're right. It is a different culture, especially with the government uh, television, because, of course, the, the pe- people fund that through, right, in the case of the U.K., through the purchase of a television set, part of that money goes to fund the BBC. Uh, well, even Canada has the CBC. That's government-operated, too. But, you know, it is a different culture uh, in terms of television, uh, the rules as to what, what are shown and things of that nature are concerned. But this is... But again, you know, Kobe spent a lot of time in that culture, so he understands it at a deeper level than most. I see, you because know, you see... Especially in recent years, with the with this World Cup coming up, a lot of celebrities jumping on the on the soccer bandwagon, putting up sure pictures of someone on Twitter, Instagram. I, it, laugh at it. I, I don't
1: think it's the jumping on the is, bandwagon. I really don't. I, I I've gotten the thought because you, you got to think what some of these celebrities are. They're in their twenties and thirties. They grew up with it on TV. Someone my age really didn't. I had, I had to find the NASL because of my mother. I had to find the sport. 20-year-olds and the, some of these celeb. you can't forget, these celebrities are young. And for me to say that, who's also young, too, is saying a lot. But you wanted to bring up something about this, this article going into uh, de- player development and colleges and... Yeah well, there's part of the reason why we're having the Upward Stars on, but I, I know you wanted to talk about it before we have um Paul, is it Paul Henson on.
3: Paul Henson, yeah, he'll be on in about a half an hour. But one of the things that has been, has come up, of course, the NCAA is big news these days. With the uh, uh, the National Labor Relations Board recently on Northwestern's football players uh, being able to uh, form a union, the players have had a vote on that. But that vote, the results have not been released yet because the Northwestern has appealed. Uh, you also have the Ed O'Bannon case, which is due to come to trial in about three weeks, uh, which has been certified as class action is regarding uh, players' rights to their own likenesses for those kind of things. And you know, a lot of there's a lot of people who want to see the players get paid by the schools. I don't think that's a good idea for a few different reasons. But here's what's what's coming. You're going to see, it in, in sometime in about 10 years, because that's all it's going to take for all to play, because you're going to have appeals all the way through the National Labor Relations Board process, certainly there's going to be appeals all the way through the court regarding the Yano Bannon case, and I, th- I honestly think it will eventually end up in the lap of the Supreme Court at one point. But so, because and it, it, the reason it's going to is because the NCA is going to fight this. They're going to they want to maintain the status quo in this. They've made it clear and despite what Mark Emmert might say otherwise, you know he taught, he gives lip service to saying, oh we don't we don't think this is the right way to do it. But I have yet to see anything to say, okay, here's how we are going to do it. Uh, and I, again, I've said before, I think the players what they need more than money for the schools, they need rights and protection. Uh, a story that came up uh, this week was uh, Eric Legrand, the former Rutgers football player who was paralyzed during a game. Uh, there was a little bit of a flap by him being uh, invited and then not invited and invited to speak at Rutgers' graduation in a few weeks. But you you look at a case like that, uh, it gets a lot of attention. But other players who don't get to play in the NFL, you know what kind of protection do they have about injuries that could, that could, could, could have sustained uh, while playing in college, especially in terms of brain injuries, which obviously don't show up until later in life? But what is, what's going to happen sooner or later is first of all, the NCAA has given a greater autonomy to the five major power conferences to do more of their own thing. And I think what eventually is going to happen, and this is something Greg Doyle talks about a lot on CBSSports.com, I sooner or later, you're going to see major reform with the NCAA and how they change these, or the more likely scenario I see is these five big conferences just breaking away and forming their own group completely. And what, and one of the one of the cruxes of this whole thing at the NCAA is football funds the athletic department, the whole thing. You know, all, uh, for the most part. You know, men's basketball contributes some. Women's basketball, in a few cases, like UConn and Tennessee, does contribute some. You know, football drives the bus, and that's the bottom line. Yeah. And there are people who and there are people who will say that that football should not be responsible for funding all these other sports. Why are all these other sports there if it if it's not for football? And there's a lot of components to this, uh, with regards to should they or should they? But because they do right now, Ohio State I think has like 38 varsity sports, uh, and there's very few of these athletic departments, at least at the Division One level, that are profitable. And in your non-revenue sports, you're dealing with scholarships that don't cover the entire team. Uh, same thing at Division Two. there was uh, uh, Patrick Ruby uh, at Sports on Earth wrote a column about this that I was referring to. One of the things he mentioned was the Alaska Anchorage's women's basketball team got hit with some violations. They lost a couple of scholarships, which were already not to cover the whole team. They had, I think, 11 for 15 players. and They're going to be down to nine, and these have to be spread out. And, you know, there are people who say, hey, why should football fund all this? And I think that's what's going to eventually lead to the breakaway that's you they're going to say, hey, you know, why should we be funding all these other sports with all this money from football? I think that's what it's going to come to. And what's going to happen is, and soccer is going to be included in this, because there I can't, I can't think of any place where soccer, uh, other than maybe University of Akron, draws big crowds. If there are, please let me know. But what's going to happen is most of your sports, uh, you know, football, men's basketball, Baseball in a few places, hockey in a couple of places, women's basketball in some places. For the most part, everything else out of that is going to be reduced to a club level, and that includes soccer. And what's, what, what this provides now is a, a, another step in the, the strange dichotomy of youth soccer in this country. We talked about before how it, so much of it is on a pay-to-play basis. And there was a column recently on the New York Times uh, about this were, and um, how you know, families have to pay thousands of dollars a year for these club teams. Uh, and, yeah, obviously I'm sure a lot of these people are trying to get to a college scholarship for their kid, if not a professional level. But if that college scholarship outlet isn't available, then what happens? See, this is where the MLS... And not, and not just analysts, but all the professional teams at all the levels, the academy program is going to be more important, especially at MLS, because I think, I personally think what you're going to see is a change in the culture in terms of youth sports, in terms of people maybe being more, a little more willing to relocate. You see it in golf and tennis. Tennessee especially a lot of people send their kids down to Florida to attend Nick Balatari's Academy down there. And that's the goal. He's been running that for 30 years. I think you might start of see a change in that with, with soccer, especially for the MLS clubs, because you know there's, there's going to be 24 of them. And while that covers a lot of the country, you know, it, it's hard to attend one if you're not there in that city. And for a family that's in a place that maybe, you know, a, a, a these are the metropolitan area, but MLS isn't around. They might be more inclined to move there and go there. And I think, now in terms of player development, this is definitely, the academy is definitely the better option. I can already hear Simon Allen out in California jumping up and down and turning over there because he can't, the college soccer repels him intensely. But to, because the youth, the, the pay-to-play, Youth soccer culture in this country is not geared toward player development. It's about winning the silverware. Because these parents would say, hey, I'm paying all this money for my kid doing all this traveling and take all this time with my schedule. You better be bringing home some silverware.
2: Oh, yeah. You know, I
3: like it. It's a, lot, it's a lot like AAU basketball. The name of AAU basketball is to produce these high school-age stars who can get that big-time Division one college scholarship, hopefully play a year in college, and go on to the NBA. We're seeing a similar thing with the growth of seven-on-seven football. It's, you know, player development is not a priority for, these, for these, most of these clubs. The, the, the MLS academies are going to become more important 10 to 15 years down the road when all this changes with college sports. And I, maybe I'm wrong. I don't know. But I just don't see college sports uh, outside of football, men's basketball, and a couple of other exceptions I mentioned existing the way they do today. They're going to be mostly on club level. You're going to have the Ohio State soccer team is going to be playing you know, OU, uh, Ohio University, Miami University, uh, Kent State, maybe even places like Ohio Dominican up north of Columbus and Delaware, or even Capitol Nauterbine here in Columbus because you're going to have to get together with a bunch of people. It's going to be, you know, the, 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 the players are going to be pretty much on their own if they want to, to do this. And, I, that's, and most of your non-revenue sports, that's what it's going to come down to. And So for soccer, there, there is, as we talked about before, there's more than one way to get into MLS. And while I understand very few people, um, the percentage I think is like of high school varsity athletes, in, in the country, two percent of them even sign a professional contract at some point. And certainly, it's it's obviously a realize the goal, but the, the the idea that you know a soccer player can end up going to college getting a scout because he got a scholarship there, that idea is going to be. I think it's going to go away. And
1: well, if, it, it, has point, it, it has to be. It has to be. I mean, let's think of it this way: you live in Columbus, Ohio. You have a son. Let's say your son beca- starts becoming a wonderful player. Where would you want him, Columbus Crew or Ohio State? Now, knowing the brain, knowing your mode of thought, you're going you're gonna to want him to go with the Columbus Crew or Pittsburgh or, or, Columbus, or somewhere where there's real time because we've seen with a crew that they could develop – if you don't have if you don't <coughs> excuse me if you don't have the time because these, what the problem with the NCAA is, is you get so little time to actually get your hands in there and try it. And exactly what needs to be And I, I talked to one of the academy managers at Celtic about this, and I would say is what you need to do is go to these colleges and provide the Celtic way what Barcelona needs to do, what Boca Juniors needs to do. They need to keep going and doing stuff like that to get in. Because yeah,
2: see, this is what
3: we see in Canada with the Tier 1 Junior A club. You, you, you're 12, 13, 14 years old, you get you're play Junior B, then it's like 15, I think it is, you get drafted into Junior A, and at that point you move. You go and relocate, you build it with somebody else. You're still going to school, obviously, like any other kid. But you move from one, you know, from one city to another to go play, and you obviously you spend a lot more time with that club playing and practicing than you would, say, if you were an American high school or even a university for that matter, because I think you can play in junior A until 19, if I remember correctly. So it, yeah, it's you You make a great point about the limited time available, and it's one of the reasons why you have with the NPSL uh, that they uh, that college players can play there, even though they can, they're playing with professionals, as long as they follow the rules in terms of not accepting anything beyond uh, you know, a stipend for you know, travel and, and meals and things like that, they can maintain their college eligibility and still play in the summertime. It's a concept that started with the Collegiate Baseball League, such as you know, the Cape Cod League, most famously up in New England. And it, It's great. It's good that the NCAA allows that to give them more time, to do it, but it's still, it's still not like being in an academy.
1: Yeah, true. And I mean, I I, I joke with my little cousin about, I joke with my um, nephew, and no, I, don't, I can't joke with my nephew. He doesn't understand words yet. Um, with my with my other family, in that my brother in law is actually British. So one of the things I keep joking with is that if if uh, little Will gets good, we should just ship him off to an academy. That's kind of scary. That you have to say ship them off. Like Ross Goldman, his son, his son um, Brady plays in a little in a, in a little kid's level. Why can't like why can't the Revolution do have like the blanket all of the area? Because Ross doesn't live too far from Boston, actually, where they could just take they could take it like they do there. It would be perfect. Because there's so many people playing soccer. I mean, hell, you're even still playing soccer somewhat. But I mean, yeah. we, should to, should, we should be able to. I mean, we get, get more people. It would help us out more instead of having to go over to um, Arsenal against Salim, Go go into um, go into Barca. No, Well, there is that kid at Barcelona, but the um, Bayern Munich guy. I mean. It, to start developing him because, I mean, we're years away from a lot of these players actually helping.
3: Yeah, and I, I mentioned that New York Times article, I wanted to, it's on, uh it's a blog, Sharon Van Epps wrote it, and I want to make sure I give her a shout-out, because she, uh, uh, I did a retweet about that, and she liked that on Twitter as well. But it it's one of the, 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 the danger I see in that is, the I appearance mean, can be caught up, too much in that, uh, you know, that idea that pie in the sky college scholarship professional, and it, it cuts across all sports. Don't get me wrong, right? It team sports, individual sports, whatever. You see, you, you see it a lot, and it's, it's ten, eleven, twelve years old to me. It's still a bit too young to be putting kids into you know, higher pressure situations where the demands are greater, and where the demands are greater, not just on them physically but also in terms of their time, uh, emotionally. You know, some, you know, some kids might be able to handle it. Uh, I, not too many, I would think, but it's something that, you know, I, you know I, even if you know, I, I tried to steer him away from that sort of thing, um, because I didn't want to put too much pressure on him. I wanted to go out there... Play, have fun, enjoy himself. If he gets, if he gets really good, at, hey, bonus time. You know, man, you know, yeah. I, I, great, wonderful. I, I, want him to have fun, and, and certainly he's had a, he's had a lot of fun doing this. He's developed not, you know, not just in a physical way in the way he plays, but also socially. He's moved a lot. He, you know, the way he interacts with the kids compared to what it was when he first started is it, just remarkable. It's really wonderful to see uh, how he's gotten in terms of. Uh, being able, you know, dealing with the other kids. And, uh... But what Sharon writes about is this one, um... is about her, um, her daughter, um... playing, um... that plays... Uh, is 10 years old and plays for a top-level club. And one of the... Um, and she also has a, a son who's 11 a, 12, a 12-year-old daughter who also play, And they've been involved in this for about five years. Now, one of the things she's done... Uh, you know, she lives in Seattle. And, um... You know, her kids, her uh, the, the all of her kids were adopted, two from Ethiopia, one from India. They live in a more uh, a, a, an older neighborhood in Seattle, and they wanted to get into it for that. They're getting a more diverse ethnic area, and you, she's found it. You know, she's doing it for a little bit more altruistic motives. She wants to be you know, with her adoption of the the, the kids uh, from overseas as well as where she lives, uh, and. Um, she was asked one time about uh wanting to uh, provide some transportation for another player from her neighborhood uh this girl they was going to be on a call uh the parents didn't have a car didn't speak any English they were communicating uh through the pastor of the church where this family that this family attended and um and her, and she really wanted to. She felt bad about turning them down because it was, she already had too much demand. Her and her husband had too many demands on their time as it was. And you know, and sheerman have to be admired for her attitude in this and why she's doing these things. But that's not what we see with with a, a number of these parents. And while wow, I realize she is not uh, the headline writer, I thought that the the, the arrogant uh, the, the the title of the article the blog is lackeys of youth spa, soccer that quote arrogant unquote sport I don't think arrogant is quite the right word I'm, I'm not sure she selected that necessarily um, but certainly in, in terms of the demands that are put on uh, on multiple levels uh, I don't see it's not very healthy for 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 the kids I don't it's certainly not very good for a player development standpoint say that. that's not really what you're aiming for uh, but it's one of the reasons why I was drawn to, to the Upward uh, Sports program uh, because they do, it, it is a low-pressure thing. They only allow to practice once a week. They only have one game per week. Uh, the season, though, for most folks, goes about eight weeks. They can put their there summer and fall and winter leagues, uh, spring and fall and winter leagues, that are this space in between as well, and it's It's been great because you've got you've got a lot of people people involved with a proper perspective it's not one where you know the, the parents are all encouraging you have uh, your parents cheer When kids do well on the other team parents will still cheer for them uh, and it's uh, they also one of the things it's done is they have uh, evaluations prior to a season and they go through cer they go through certain skills depending on what the sport is and read the coaches. Most of the coaches there they rate the kids, and then they from that they're able to draw the teams to make them to try to make them as balanced as they can. And in our experience, it's worked very, very well. Especially in soccer, we've seen uh, uh,
2: the the you
3: know game, games have been for the most part evenly played. Or in the case of one season, both teams won the same number of games. Where it was it was like you know one team was really good that day, and the other team wasn't. It kind of rotated back and forth. Uh, but it, again, you you have a lot. Of the, the big thing is it's, you know, it's it's a low key thing. They still get out there. They, you know, these kids play hard. Believe me. Don't don't get me wrong. This is not uh, this is not you know some these soccer games are not casual kick arounds by any stretch. Something uh, they demonstrate to us quite well when it's time for the parents to play against the kids at the end of the year. That's always an adventure. Uh, but it, it's it's been a great experience, you know, from a social level. It's, and again, maintaining the proper perspective in terms of, especially for the younger kids, they started pre-kindergarten at four years old and up through uh, second grade, um, they don't, it's just more about teaching, teaching the basic skills as well as the, the spiritual aspect uh, of it as well. And, uh, it's, and But again, the, the main thing was when I saw that they had started uh, the NPSL club down in Spartanburg, South Carolina, it was, real, it was it came as a surprise to me. But as I said, I've never heard of a national organization, a national youth sports organization, starting a professional team. I mean, imagine if the AAU basketball people decide, hey, we're going to put a team in the NBA V-League. Or if the Little League Baseball people in Williamsport said, hey, we're going to start a team you know, in, in the Northern League, in class, the Class A Independent League, or something like that. That's what it would be akin to, and so I wanted to make sure. Uh, I wanted to have an opportunity to bring them on. Paul Henson is the manager of the, the team. He's an Englishman. It's a, the first year for the club. They start in about in about two weeks. Uh, and in fact, this is what the, what also they're doing out. Manchester is they're building. They will have their own stadium this year, but they will next year. They're building a a complex that includes a soccer stadium down there in Spartanburg, South Carolina. They've got a few teams around them. Uh, in that upstate area of South Carolina, as well as North Carolina, the Carolina Railhawks. They're in the uh, South, uh, South Atlantic Conference, I believe, is what league they're in and what division they're in as soon as I bring that up here. But I just find, I just find it to be a very uh, unique story. Oh, by the way, the MPSL FC Wichita will be joining in uh, yeah. next season. And uh, that's, that's, I definitely wanted to mention so cool. that because, yeah, i I have a soft spot in my heart for Wichita for soccer because I remember back in the Wings days in the early and mid-'80s and the terrific teams they had and how they filled the Kansas Coliseum on a regular basis. And it was just, you know, they they were able to maintain it a few different leagues for a long period of time and find that while they're not, they're still playing indoors under the Wichita B-52s name, uh, but it's nice to see they're getting an outdoor team here as well. Uh, upward Stars, they're playing in the South Atlantic Conference. They're playing against the uh, uh, Carolina Railhawks U-23 team as they play in the uh, the USL Pro, I believe, along with FC Carolina, Gates of the S C and Myrtle Beach Mutiny.
1: And so they'll I'm going to thank you because Paul's on right now. Oh,
3: great. Paul Henson, the manager of Upward Stars. We were just talking about you. I hope your ears were burning there. <laughs>
6: yeah, well, it's 85 degrees and I've been coaching, so they're burning anyway. Yeah. Oh, okay. We're both envious. I'm in Ohio. The Stevens in Buffalo or New
3: York, where they're just uh, now coming out of winter. But anyway, yeah. I've been giving a little background on the Upward uh, Sports program. Uh, what I want to know from you, first of all, is what I, I, I mentioned at the beginning of the show how Upward Sports has started a little bit uh, more higher-level academies in basketball and uh, volleyball. What prompted the idea of actually starting a professional soccer club?
6: Well, it's it's an amateur club. Let me let me just state that it's an amateur club, uh, so that you know we're able to have college players play and right. and not have any impact upon the NCAA compliance. But I understand yeah. you're a higher level team. Yeah. So, well, what it is is essentially, up. If you, I don't know, I've, I've obviously come up just off the field, and so I didn't hear the the uh, beginning of the conversation. But uh, if you talked about upward, it, its traditional uh, model has been, has been to deliver uh, sports uh, with a view to discovering Jesus through church partners uh, delivered by volunteer coaches. And uh, what we want to do is to try to extend that and, and, and further Great Commission by reaching different markets, different demographics and different age groups. And uh, so starting starts from a performance standpoint as well with professional cultures.
3: Now, as far as the, the, the community, you're in Spartanburg, South Carolina. Uh, how has the community responded? Have you been getting a lot of attention? Uh, because, as I said, this is something unique for uh, yeah. what started, basically youth, a national youth sports organization, to have a professional-level team. What's been the uh, response from the uh, upstate community there in Spartanburg been?
6: Been very, very encouraging. I will say, one of the first things I did uh, was to start talking to college coaches, and to uh, let them know what we're about and what the opportunity represents for their players and for other players in the community. And we've been very encouraged by coaches uh, from secular schools and from Christian schools, who say that there's a great, you know, position for this. they feel that uh, they want their players playing year round. They want them in the summer, and a program that adds a component of Christianity to it, whereby the, the, the players, you know, will will be will be looking at their behaviour and be looking to interact together in a Christ-like fashion. They've, I've been very encouraged by the uh, the amount of positive responses we've received.
3: Uh, one of the things you talk, you, it's obviously that you know, it is you know Christian-based stuff. Program both the, you know, the youth program as well as the the development uh, academy now the Upward uh, Stars program is concerned. Um, how to me one of uh, one of the things that uh, again that I've always found appealing with with the Upward sports youth program, which I've, my son and I have been involved with for a number of years now, is, is the is the proper perspective. And I was talking about this before I don't know if you heard all this. Uh, you know, I found that the. Some of the youth sport, a lot of the youth sports culture, uh, can get a little skewed as far as perspective is concerned. Um, that's uh, how do you go about? What, how do you go about? As far as this team is concerned, um, mm-hmm. what? How do you go about striking that proper balance so that way people can see? People can see that hey, you this is. Yeah, they're, they're college kids, they're playing in a professional style league and atmosphere, but there is a, a higher, you know, a, the idea is as you say, play with purpose, there is a, a higher goal in mind. How, how, what is the, the method of making sure you strike that proper balance?
6: Well, it's. I mean, for us, it's obviously an opportunity to serve, and that's what we, we, we're going to do. We're going to be serving the players, uh, and that's our, our mission. As, as Christian, is to serve those guys first and foremost, and to, uh, and to lead by actions. It's easy to uh, to talk the talk, but it's walking the walk that's important. It's always been a part of the upward mentality. Uh, one of the, if, if you if you're familiar, the uh, the, the, the play with purpose perspective is, is something we call MASs, which is mental, athletic, social, and importantly, spiritual components to 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 sports uh, delivery and and and, and uh, in, you know implementation. So yes, it is about uh, about the sport and try to compete with excellence. And this is our first year, but we feel we have a strong squad and we're going to. Do the best we can to to serve as if we're working for the Lord. So we're really going to strive after excellence, but we're going to have that, you know, in in position with everything else. And I think if you look at youth sports, it's only a tiny percentage that go on to play at college. You know, it's only a even tiny percentage that go on to play professionally, be that basketball, soccer, volleyball, whatever sport. So where sports are important, we need to understand what that value is. And there's many more life lessons to be learned out of, out of sport, even at this high level, than just simply going. Okay, well, we had two percent, ten percent. Think of a number of our players who became professional. So it, it's having it's having that um, that kind of emphasis on, on on the stuff that's you know on those components as well as just the win and loss ratio.
3: Oh, yeah, you mentioned the squad, and uh, in reading about this, uh, first of all, the, your first team is in 10 days. You're going to be playing Carolina Railhawks, U23, and they're defending national champions in the United States Adult Soccer Association. The MPSL really threw you a good for your opening match, but you've got some pretty good levels of experience in the squad, don't you?
6: We do, and we... Uh... I've been joking with a few of my friends. So actually, before that, we go to Richmond, Virginia, on Friday to play uh, to play them in a friendly. They're the reigning national MPSL champion. Then we play DC United the next day, and they're not going to be shabby. Let's face it. And then we uh, and then we face the Railhawks, as you so rightly said. So. Uh, I've been talking to some of my friends and saying perhaps I might get to game four or I might do a David Moyes right before it, but we'll,
3: we'll see. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about the David Moyes analogy there. We all know what happened to him, unfortunately.
2: <laughs>
3: uh, I th- another thing I found that is, uh, that's going on down there in Spartanburg is that a, a, a big uh, complex is being opened, uh, being uh, scheduled to open there. Uh, in September, and that will
5: include your own
3: ground to play in starting uh, in the 2015 season. How important is that uh, aspect in terms of uh, helping the club uh, grow and develop?
6: Yeah, it, it is. And, and, and uh, I, 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 I did mean to say, and I didn't quite get to it, it was that you've asked me about the level of play up here. The upstate is truly blessed with some great players. I mean, we've got from all kinds of, you know, perennial excellent colleges up here and uh, we're drawing from them. In addition to the adult community, I mean, I'm from England, I don't know if I've given that away yet, and in England, you know, we like to blend youth with with experience and uh, I've been, you know, it's a famous quote from Brian Clough, is if you're good enough, you're old enough. And it goes the other way. You have experience and you can bring it in, then, uh, you know, then you can have a contribution. So we, I've I got a player, ex-pro player, uh, from many years ago, played in Puerto Rico, was a 34-year-old guy, and uh, we've got some kids out of junior college, so we've got a true blend. But uh, answering your question, Keith, about the Star Center, yeah, that's going to be a phenomenal... Uh, the facility and will really allow us to start implementing some of higher level uh, programming from a performance standpoint. We've got volleyball and basketball and flag football and sand volleyball, and you know it's going to be an excellent facility. Well,
3: we're talking with Paul Henson, he's the uh, manager of uh, Upward Stars, the new uh, one of the new MPSL teams will be playing in the. Uh, so uh, will be playing in the um, the South Atlantic Conference in the NPSL this season. Um, and uh, for a little background here, he's, this, this this gentleman, he's gotten a co- coach who likes for both the Ajax Academy and Barcelona's Nascola, okay? Uh, you can't do a whole lot better from a qualification <laughs> and learning standpoint than those two places. I mean, the Aj- Ajax Academy... They're famous for many, many years. Uh, they've got they've got schools here in this country as well. Of course,
5: in recent years, we've been learning all
3: about what Barcelona has done with all their their youth players uh, as well. And uh, so we're definitely uh, looking. We're looking forward to seeing this rather uh, unique instance uh, of uh, the, of the upward stars coming out of a uh, a youth uh, a youth sports pro a national youth sports program. Uh, the big. Yeah. Probably the biggest match for you though, June sixth uh, over. At, you're gonna be playing at Clemson University
6: yeah. against
3: FC yeah. Carolina Discovery, uh, and yeah. you know you've got all those all those clubs in your division right there. You know the Carolinas, as you said, you know very have been producing a lot of soccer talent in this country for a number of years. But it's the I guess gonna be the Upstate Derby against uh, FC Carolina Discovery. So yeah. you've already got uh, uh, you've got yourself your own little Derby right there here in your first season. That's got to be a fun thing to look forward to.
6: Absolutely, and the Discoveries Club is a, is a great club. They've got a great tradition. David Carton, the, the general manager and the head coach, is a wonderful guy and a great soccer guy. So we're looking, we're hoping that this will be year one of a perennial uh, rivalry that will go on and on and we will just continue to provide uh, opportunities for players to play at the highest level they can, be that in, in and around Rock Hill or here. I mean, it's interesting that uh, you mentioned local rivalries, and that is certainly important. but when I think uh, we're like the United Nations, it really is true Christianity. We want to spread it, spread the world <laughs> We've got players from five continents and they live in different countries. so uh, we've got players from everywhere uh, from local colleges as well as as these guys from colleges elsewhere so we're we're looking forward to establishing a great tradition. And you mentioned the two youth uh, organizations from, the, from Europe that I've worked with. The common link between those, them two is, the, uh, is a playing style. And uh, our goal is to, uh, is to use this team as an aspirational team. And we're going to play soccer the right way. We're going to uh, try and play a possessive type of, type of game whereby, you know, if we get possession of the ball and, and, and we look to get numbers up and attack, and, and we're going to try and play the right way. I'm going to try and break all those uh, stereotypes of English coaches.
3: Yeah, there. Yeah, you mentioned Brian Clough there. I was just watching the uh, the, the movie about it, which I realize is partially uh, fictionalized. But uh, yeah, he, he was uh, he was a little bit different in the way he uh, he did things. He, he certainly didn't uh, fit the mold of some of the uh, old style English managers, such as you know, Don Revy, who he had uh, succeeded yeah. at uh, Leeds, among, among many others. It, it, it's yeah. something, and it's something we've talked about on the show a few How, and it's written about a lot how you know, the the English clubs they get these you know very skilled players, whether it be from Europe, South America, and then really don't always utilize that skill. Uh, certainly, yeah. places like Ajax and Barcelona are known for a long time for their their positive football. They're wanting to uh, possess the ball and, and and go for an attack uh, yeah. rather than. You, and even even Jose Mourinho at Chelsea has been under criticism lately these last few weeks of the Premier League season for some of his what would be called negative tactics as well. So it's uh, it's it, yeah I, I, at, at this at any level here in America it's good it is always good to see somebody uh, bring that kind of positive approach to the game. So uh, uh, we're I'm looking forward to it. Again. Ten days from now will be your uh, first game in uh, J- uh, May. 16th, that will be at Bob Jones University, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern time. And uh, all the information uh, on this new team is uh, online, upwardstarsupstate.org slash soccer. You will find their schedule uh, profile on the gaffer here as well as the rest of the Upward Sports story. I did one other thing. Uh, personal, like I happened to notice the picture of you with the shirt. You're kitted out by Adidas, I see. I want one of your goalkeeper shirts. <laughs>
6: well, we actually we 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 manufacture our own merchandise, but that was in advance of us getting it. But we've got our own uh, upward logo uh, uh, uniforms today. We just did our first photo shoot yesterday, so we'll be releasing that, but yeah. We, we needed something in the show, and uh, this is a pretty good uh, good alternative.
3: know, yeah, well, that's that's my brand of choice. And I've got I, uh, I still apply, I still play even at my advanced age. It's always nice to have uh, one more uh, goalkeeper shirt and to have one have one for to promote your club and to promote your organization that I've uh, I've been uh, involved and privileged to be involved with here at the at the youth level here in Central Ohio for a number of years. Uh, I'd be very flattered to wear one of those. Uh, we want to thank you again. Uh, for taking the time uh, out of your schedule to come on the show. Paul Henson, the manager of Upward Stars and the MTSO. It's been a pleasure uh, hearing about uh, your club as well as the, the overall uh, message that uh, the Upward Sports Program provides. We appreciate it.
6: No problems. We'll definitely to get you a shirt, but it'll be an Upward one another on day this one. All right, Jake? That's fine with me. I'll wear it anyway. Thank you very you much, will. Paul. We appreciate your
1: <laughs> time, Gaffer. Um, no, and Keith, will love it. <laughs> We're-
6: they they you a take the time out and to sing of us and to give us the publicity. We greatly appreciate it. Have a great evening. Well, oh, thank you. Yeah,
1: too. you too. Thanks, guys. Okay, good. It kept you on. Good. It's we yeah, weird doing this on a touch screen. I keep thinking I'm gonna. To... Fortunately, you, you, fortunately, you come in right underneath me. So, and you're noticing a change. You're noticing a change in tone. The Skype dropped on me halfway through it, so that's kind of why you okay. just got a text in. <laughs> take it. Sky, Skype drops. I'm like, ooh. It's, it's fortunate. You've never had this happen. But let me let you guys back on a little secret. I actually have the board for the show, and Keith has actually seen it, but he's not had he's not had a call drop in the middle. He's not had the host drop in the middle. I could press a button yeah. and drop off and keep it on air and try to find something because i I one of one of the days we were doing the show and the old one I dropped my phone dies in the middle of the show uh, yeah I remember completely dies, and I just threw it right out like, okay they're going to stay on for the rest of the show if I can find my um thing but um we're good we might we might extend this a little bit into the next half hour um because there's there's some things I still want to talk about. It was it was great to have Dave Henson on because, you know, Todd, he's in a really good area for development oh, yeah. of soccer. I mean, and, and especially yeah. I mean North Carolina has been good for a year. North Carolina has been good for years, so that's really a good thing. I mean, after all,
3: yeah, and that front part of, of the South show, Carolina, the up, the up, and of course South Carolina, that upstate area kind of pushes up into North Carolina. Of course, Charlotte is yeah. just north of the border. So you got you got that that curved section of the North Carolina, South Carolina board, Spartan group, in that part that kind of uh, pushes up into North Carolina. It's called the Upstate uh, region, and and so that's why the Upstate is part of their website. But, yeah, that whole Carolina, the Carolinas have been a big, uh, growing hotbed for soccer, especially at the collegiate level uh, for a number of years now. So you look at Jay Heaps, the New England Revolution manager, he played at Duke. Uh, You know, of course, we all know about this, the tremendous success of North Carolina's women's team uh, as well. so yeah for them to be be headquartered for the upwards sports to be headquartered in South, South Carolina and it's a great you're absolutely a great place to get a, uh, a professional level club going down there because you certainly aren't going to lack for talent As he mentioned they've got uh, a couple of players who've been through MLS academies as well as a lot of college players as well so he's got he's got a good, uh, he's got a good uh, talent base to pick from.
1: Well, the the other thing I wanted to talk about is, um and, and you you, you sensed this with uh, pre show and talking to me before, is the whole Liverpool thing hol- holding over hol- holding over my head. And I if you guys followed me on Twitter yesterday, it's Yellow Card S. C. B. You you notice I, I fired off a number of tweets I'm gonna learn to hate after a while. Not Nothing. Nothing that will be. Nothing that will be bad. So Keith doesn't have to run from his phone screaming stuff. So. <laughs> yet, at least I haven't. I, I haven't gotten that comment. No, I won't say that yet. Um, I think I reached my boiling point in the sport. Now I want to give you guys a little bit of heads up. Um, I am probably the lamest person to watch a, sp- a game with because I've got media training, so I don't yell during the game. I I just sit there and watch it, and usually I have a book on my lap or a beer in my hand. I lost it last night when the, te- when the team let in three goals at the end to Crystal Palace. That sparked Twitter losing it on the team. I have no trouble with, like, I have no trouble of like, going back and forth, and I don't know if you see this in Manchester United, dumb, um, where fans will openly tweet the players after the game and just rip them a new one. And one of them... Oh, I've, now, I've seen couple, it. A couple of the players don't have Twitter. Um, Gerard doesn't have it. I mean, his foundation and his... have one for him, but it's not him, if that makes sense. Um, but Glenn Johnson has a Twitter account, and he's on it like actually more than he should be, to be honest with you. And the amount of abuse that came at him and and Luis Suarez, and here's the joke, guys. Luis Suarez can actually read English. It's, it's just because he doesn't speak it that much doesn't mean he doesn't know how to read it. And... I fired off a tweet to L S D last night, and I was kind of, kind of ashamed. I basically ripped them for not getting a defense defensive coach in, and I, I know Claire didn't read it on air. But the problem I had the problem I had last night is people were going after the players. It's easy nowadays with what we have out there with social media blogs, because there's a blog for every there's thousands of blogs for each team to rip these players consistently. And I come at this from a different, weirder point of view. Um, I don't see why you should do that. I mean, anybody who's read any of my writings, I don't rip anybody, unless if it's John Terry, but that's a whole other issue. Um, Folks, let's get out here in the open who, who of us expected Liverpool to be leading for on and off during points of the year? None of us. I, if you, if you, I think I said in the early part of the season it was going to be Man City or Chelsea going to win the, win the title. And we got pretty close with that if you think about it, Keith. I mean, Man City and Chelsea were up at the top, are still up at the top too. But Liverpool is up there. Nobody saw that. I mean, the fact well, that well, I had
3: said at the, the beginning of the season they'd finish top four. I didn't pick them to mm-hmm. win it all, but I I definitely said they would finish top four. And I knew and I exactly. knew they could. I knew they had the, the capability of being there. And if you're yeah, you know, if you're in that top four and it's closer, you have a chance. And Liverpool had a chance. They had it at their feet, uh, and they let it get away. As far as the the criticism on social media, well. Uh, I admittedly if you are know, you know, an athlete or any celebrity on social media, you, you, this could happen. Uh, I really, with athletes, different because it's, you know, it's obviously it's a lot more results based. You know, right away whether, they, whether it's a good or a bad thing. Um, and I know, and I know, I, I would at least here in America, I part of it would have to stem from the fact that, and not for soccer, but the other sports, that I, I talked about this before, that there's a huge separation, a huge gap between players and fans these days. Uh, it, we don't have it here in American soccer, but it exists in the other sports, some it exists in Europe, uh, where athletes are even bigger in terms of their status with the media, the celebrity status, and things, things of that nature. And I not have a problem with fans, who say, you know, you did a bad job or you didn't play that well, things of that nature, if it's kept clean and reasonable. Uh, you know, the fans, at the end of the day, are the ones paying all the bills, and that includes the players' wages. And without that, they don't have this job that they have. So that's what they have to keep in mind. What I don't like to see is the, the, the nasty verbal abuse, racial abuse, the threats and things of that nature. If you recall, back in, I think it was back in the fall, um, one of the members of the pop group One Direction. Uh, let me try to find it here.
1: It's not Thomas. I, I want to get his it, name in here. What's that? I think it's Tomlinson. Are you talking about the guy that went up to the um, yeah, Lewis friendly? Up Lewis up the... Yeah, Louis Tomlinson. Yeah, Lewis Tomlinson. Was he the one that went up? Yeah, was it he the one that went up in Glasgow and had that tackle and everybody just went after him?
3: Well, yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, he's, well, first of all, he's uh, got a non-play, uh, a, a deal with Don Rovers, which are in the the, the fourth tier, Division Two, and he plays in charity matches, and he was playing in one, uh, a, and among others, play with Gabriele Bonlehore of Aston Villa. Well, Tom went we to do a tackle on him, and and and, uh, and, and and or a Abdul went to attack on Tomlinson and Tomlinson got hurt and Ay there were death threats on Twitter against Ay Lahore That's completely unacceptable. Um, the, the, that's the kind of thing you don't want to see, but unfortunately, all too often is seen on uh, on social media, and it, 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 it's clearly over the line. You know, I I don't as I said. You know, if a fan wants to say on you know, social media, whatever that, I think he, this so-and-so played a poor game, or oh, I think Liverpool's defense was not that good, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, you know, certainly, social media gives you know, wider view, a wider uh, audience to your views. The, the problem is you know, people, can, people can do this sort of thing to outline, such as threatening players, uh, racially abusing them, whatever the case may be. And there's that mentality. You feel like you're hidden behind this wall. You know, it's not. You're not facing anybody. Uh, you're hidden behind a digital ID. Things like that people feel like they can do this. You know, without. It's kind of like being that face of the crowd. But even though sometimes you still get caught. You look at the situation with, with Danny Alves at Barcelona a couple weeks ago at Real Real where a banana was thrown in for a corner kick, and it turns out that it was a youth team coach at Villarreal who threw it, and it's been subsequently fired. People feel it, it's that face in the crowd, nobody's going to see you me mentality that is prevalent in social media where people think they can do these sorts of things or say these sorts of things or tweet these sorts of things that are unacceptable, that they certainly would never say to a guy's face. I mean, you can see, you know, people might you know, be outside a player's entrance and might, you know, or, you know, might say something uh, as part of a crowd. But, again, there's a big difference between saying Liverpool's defense w- w- was garbage tonight and saying, you know, these so-and-sos, or uh, these people are so-and-sos, or these people should be, you know, and we should threaten them or whatever. There's a big difference, and, I, and I'm sure you understand that. It, it's Especially in the, the case in Liverpool, you've got people, they've been waiting a long time for this yeah they you, you know don't mm-hmm. was, us Liverpool it is a long time coming to win the Premier League because it hasn't been done before it's the been, what nineteen years since Liverpool last won the top flight it's you know, there's a frustration level that's understandable, and I can see people reacting But, when, again Liverpool had it right there all they they had, all they they just need to do the business against a team in the bottom half of the table uh, and do it again the following week and the title's probably theirs. And, and they practice, and, and they flub their lines. And you, you know, if people want to say you criticize players for not playing well, or criticize the manager for not doing so. I don't have a problem with that. It's when it gets to the level of abusive, threatening, racist, whatever the kind, whatever the
1: case may be, stuff that it's out of line. Exactly, and I, I mean, I wanted to I wanted to bring it up just because I well, a I have a show, so I can. I can talk about anything I want. To be honest with you, that's why we have that's why we have a lot of fun. That's why we have a lot of fun on here. Um, also, yeah, that, that's the that's the part of it. I mean, I, I, fans in one way are driving me away from being online and writing. I'm fortunate through what I've written, and I'm not trying to say I'm any. I'm not a Grant Wall or a Sean Francis or a Jason Davis out there. That I I haven't got gotten the Vitriol or the just random hate, I do get some really interesting stuff. But when I talk about the MLS, but that's because I write for the overseas. overseas. But the, the fans being so negative, it's getting it's getting annoying. To be honest, I mean, we're, I, I, get, we're oh, I the, can
3: see that. I'm not, I'm not saying you, you shouldn't be affected by it. I, obviously, you, you are. Where you, where you 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 care about your club, you want to see them succeed. And, yeah, yeah, something, you get a little sensitive. You don't want to see that sort of thing. but but, again, but uh, So I understand it from that perspective. But it's going to happen. They're going to be fans. And this applies to any sport. You come here. If you want to see people who don't have any proper perspective, come here to Columbus. Or go down to Lexington. You know, you, you went to our two fan bases there with their sports, Ohio State football, UK basketball, where they have no perspective whatsoever. Believe me, it's amazing. I always said when John Cooper was coaching the Ohio State football team, I often said that if he had walked across the Olentangy River, the, next, the following Sunday, a race-sized mailbox in the Columbus Dispatch, he's a sports editor, you would have had at least a half a dozen letters saying, hey, John Cooper can't swim. Okay, that's the, any, any big team or big club, is going to have a certain percentage of that mentality there. And, yeah, it's discouraging. Yeah, you don't like to see it when you care about your team. And you realize that you know, you're wanting to win, but it's not the be-all, the end-all. Yeah, you hate that to deal with Yahoo's. who think it is the be-all, the end-all. But that's, that's just the nature of the beast uh, in terms of when, when you when you support a very popular team uh, where the fan base can be very demanding.
5: In two
1: cents, Since you've been doing most of the scheduling, before we we hang up for the night, anybody coming up in the next couple weeks that we have to preview?
3: Yeah, well, I've been in touch with Chris Rolfe of uh, D.C. United. Uh, He hasn't responded yet, but I sent him an email uh, earlier this week, and hopefully uh, we'll be able to get him on the show. Also uh, in contact with uh, Nicole Marshall of Portland Fords. Uh, hoping to get her on as well, also uh, and also uh, in the uh, on the women's side, Melissa Henderson from FC Kansas City, we're looking to get scheduled as well. Also, um, and now I don't have my Twitter up, and I wish I, I wish I did because I really I gotta I gotta find it here for a second. But uh, one of the writers from uh, a women's uh, soccer uh, website, WSN Twenty Four Seven I will look that up here in a few seconds. It's Women's Sports Network 247. Yeah, I think it's on, uh, yeah, but, I think
2: uh, it's on the I show page. Couple,
3: yeah, I've exchanged a couple of uh, uh, tweets and messages with one of their writers.
1: And uh, as soon as the video portion of this
3: stops running, I'll be able to find it.
1: And eventually we're going to try to get on. There's another person writing a book about the fandom of soccer, um, Tanya Keith. I, I forgot exactly what her um, Twitter handle is, but she's writing, she's writing a book about fandom and soccer, kind of like what Sean Reed is doing. I was just actually texting him while we were talking. Oh, any, anybody that wants to get a hold of us during the week, I mean, go, come to Yellow Carded Pod. Uh, yeah, I think yeah Yellow Carded. Hot on Twitter, and Keith and I pretty much checked it well, not quite hourly, but we're on pretty religiously, and you'll you'll see both of us resp- um, linked to that i mean we we both have control of it, so if if you've got something you want us to talk about, as long as it's not let's do an hour on Manchester United and why Ryan Gates needs to stay, or that the m l s is the worst league in the in the world. That argument just bent my head. I, I, I will, I will give you the person that said that to me, Keith, and it will stun you, actually. Who, who, who texted me that one? It, it, it I, uh, well, I. It's lucky Keith tonight is a non-drinking knife, because I, I. It was one of those. It was one of those comments that I looked away, going, "I need a drink, baby." time Um.
3: Yeah, it also, yeah, we're totally no, That's what I want. I want to. Danielle Grody, who writes for uh, WSN247.com, uh, D. Grody15. I apologize for not getting that right away, but I've been in touch with her as far as wanting to get her on the show. Hopefully, in the next uh, couple weeks, she covers uh, women's soccer and uh, the women's particularly particularly uh, the NWSL, and the women's national team uh, for WSN247.com. So we're looking forward to definitely looking forward to having her on, especially uh, to talk about the. Women's national team and uh, the upcoming World Cup qualify. And more in particular, who will be the next manager of the U.S. Women's national team? There's obviously going to be a lot of a lot of debate around that as well. So, uh, and, uh, uh interesting uh, side note here: we had Carly Lloyd on a couple of weeks ago. Uh, she got sent off in a game uh, last weekend. Uh, she got caught in that and she also scored her fiftieth uh, goal. Uh, for the U.S. Hmm. Women's National Team, a couple of for a couple of uh, interesting milestones there for uh, one of our recent guests, Carly Lloyd.
1: Exactly, and I think I think Samantha Johnson went out and got another tattoo while we were after we got done talking to herself. So. <laughs> well, we're a bad I'm, I'm influence kind on of you. I'm afraid. You're <laughs> smart. I, not mine either. I was going. I've told you there was two tattoos I was going to get in my life. I, I don't have any. I'm afraid of needles. I was going to get the Superman tattoo because of my because of being, my first name being Steven, and the other one was the um, Live Strong bird. Okay. I am so glad I did not. Well, because the Live Strong the Live Strong actually Live Strong actually has an emblem that is a bird that says um, Keep Strong oh. or something.
3: I never. It, knew it's that. actually.
1: Yeah, they actually have something else other than just the thing. Yeah, it's kind of cool. I was going to do that after my mom died. Literally, I was thinking of that, Keith, right before Lance Armstrong, drawn off, and I was going to put the money aside to do it. And then he comes out with it, and I'm like, thank God. Thank God I didn't do that. But anyway, um, and if you guys want to also get a hold of us, as you said, as I said off the top, I'm writing writing a book on the Fort Lauderdale Strikers. If anybody knows anybody from the Fort Lauderdale Strikers or 1980 or has any any two cents they want to add, I am more than willing to credit someone in or bring someone in to help. I'm not begging for help, but if you if you want to. If you have stuff out there, by all means, bring it in. Anyway, this has been Steven Brand and Keith Kokinda going extra, because I feared we would go, we would go extra after a while. Anyway, I will talk to you guys next week, and hopefully, hopefully, I won't be too down after this next New Castle game. All right, talk to you later. <laughs>